Hey there, welcome to Business Breakthroughs. I'm your host, Neil DiPentino. We have a great guest with us today. Uh, he's going to be here to help elevate your business. Uh, and, and he's an SO, uh, excuse me, an EOS uh, enthusiast, a strategic coach, 10X member. Uh, he's from Fort Worth, Texas, and he's the founder of Fin Elevate. Please welcome to the show, Colin Sandberg. Colin, thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Neil. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I, uh, I I actually said the name correctly. I'm I'm known for screwing up names really badly, um, <laughs> but <laughs> but I think we made it through. I just screwed up the rest of it. No, we're kidding. We're we're good. Um, so so glad that you're here with us today. Um, man, you were just talking a little bit offline about you know your time there in, in uh, Fort Worth and a little bit about what you're doing. Everything. I'm so happy to have you here, so we can share it with our guests and uh, you know kind of let them know what you do and maybe how what your strategies, what you do, can maybe help them in their businesses. Uh, but before we do that, I'd like to kind of get to know our guests a little bit. So, Colin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So um, a little about myself. That's a loaded question. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do live here in Fort Worth. Um, I, I'm married for 15 years, going on 16. Uh, I've got three kids and um, and really all I've ever done in my career is small business. So mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, made the decision to be an entrepreneur when I was uh, 20 or 21 and started pursuing that uh, goal. And, and, you know, now 20, 25 years later, this is all I've ever really done. So I, you know, worked at Home Depot, worked at, uh, you know, Walmart, that kind of thing when I was a kid, but yeah, for the most part, this is just kind of, this is where I'm at now. I love it. You know, working at Home Depot and, and Walmart and that kind of stuff. I mean, that, that kind of builds, you know, that kind of gets you going, you know, kind of gets you a, a yeah. taste of business and everything. And maybe some of the stuff that's out there, I mean, maybe you don't think about it too much when you're a kid, but at the end of the day, when you look back at it, it's those experiences that you have that kind of maybe help elevate you uh, to the next level in your business that you're in now. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I, I always kind of joke, uh, one of my other jobs, my, my first jobs was working at Subway and, uh, on my second day, they made me open by myself. And Whoa. so I always joked that everything I learned about customer service, I learned on my second day at Subway when I had to open by myself and <laughs> I had no clue, as you would imagine, it yeah. did not go super well. I had no yeah. idea what I was doing. It was a complete <laughs> unmitigated disaster. You know, I was, I didn't know how to make the meatballs. I couldn't, you know, the bread luckily is pretty straightforward, but I mean, it was, I couldn't figure out like there's, you know, when you go to put all the stuff in the little chill, uh, um, you know, when you're sliding the sandwich down the line and there's all the little bins that have all the ingredients, I couldn't figure out how to get the metal, uh, sections in there. Right. So they're all just sitting down there, you know, the <laughs> bottom of all the vegetables is frozen. It was, it was bad, but you know, I learned that, uh, you know, an apology goes a long way and people seeing that you're working honestly to try and overcome whatever the situation goes a long way. And they usually yeah. give you a lot of grace if, uh, if you lead with those two things. Well, yeah, you're if you're authentic about you know the way you handle that kind of situation, people really buy into that as well. It's not about trying to cover it up; it's not going to help because there's obviously in that case there's no way to cover it up, exactly. not even with a big old piece of bread, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and to that point, you know, when you, what the other thing that I l- later used in my entrepreneurial career is this realization that like sometimes screwing up things really bad the first time it points out all the holes, and then you become an expert 
at how these things are supposed to work. If it just works the first time you try it or, you know, it just seems pretty easy, you don't have to dig deep to really become an expert. But when something's a, a complete disaster and you go, well, I, I failed in 27 different ways, you now have 27 new things you, you're going to go learn and just by, by the nature of it. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, I was kind of, you know, I love what you were saying. I was thinking as you were talking about the little bins with all the stuff and everything, it's like kind of business is kind of like that. I mean, if you're a business owner, you know, there's like all these little bins of things that you have to be prepared for, you know, the, the hiring, the, you know, dealing with employees with, you know, bills, your finances, you know, marketing, the whole nine yards. So, you know, it, it was, I think there was something there. I don't know, but it just, to me, in my mind, the way it works, I kind of thought that was what I was thinking. And so tell us a little bit about uh, Finn Elevate. What is, what is this all about? Yeah. So my latest company, um, I'll give you a little bit of background first, as I probably should have done instead Please. of talking about Subway. That's okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I own multiple different businesses. I started out in my entrepreneurial career. It was kind of a turnaround project. The business was really struggling from a financial standpoint. And similar to my Subway story, that gave me the perspective on like the appreciation for getting the financial part of a business right. And, you know, you could have a, a great product and happy customers and all of that. But if the financial part of your business isn't working, working, you know, similar to your, your line, you know, nobody wants sandwiches that don't have any condiments on them. So, you know, there has to be, you have to have all the pieces of the business working or none of it works. And so what I ended up doing for my own businesses was basically as I, you know, hired CEOs or, or partnered with someone who was already the CEO of one of my companies, uh, it, it enabled me to focus on that financial piece of the business because that's so rare that uh, companies have someone on the team. It's so rare that the founder or the CEO is really passionate about that side of the business. And so that allowed me to really focus on it. And essentially, that created the concept that's now Finelevate, which is, you know, th this is something I'm passionate about doing. I love helping other business owners. I love working um, on the financial challenges of a business, learning about the business model, figuring out how to make the most of it. And so that just basically became uh, my latest company when I realized, you know, hey, this is something I should offer beyond my own companies, something I, I've come up with a, a unique way to approach it. And I think we can add a lot of value to a lot of companies. So you talk about a unique way. So what, give me a little bit of an idea of what the, you know, what makes it unique. Yeah. So the, the natural problem, and again, I've done this for my own businesses historically, I've, I've done the, the bookkeeping and, and accounting financial part of the business uh, from the ground up. Right. And, and what I always realized was like, you end up chasing your tail half the time. You're doing all the basic stuff that's very low value. There's always some sort of a fire to put out. And so you're never doing the pr proactive things that make the business better. You're just kind of like treating it as a necessary evil. And so when I realized that, I even had that struggle when I got out of my business businesses, uh, still owning them, but working on them from the outside, I still ran into that same problem. And the challenge was that we didn't really have like a true north that we were guiding all of our efforts toward. It was kind of the true north was like, survive the day, get all the basic stuff done, enter the bills, you know, pay the vendors and let's move on with life. And so what we've done with Fin Elevate is we have a, a simple three-step process. I'll explain fairly quickly for you. It is we, we first understand the goal of the entrepreneur. So I need to know whether your goal is to grow the business, become more profitable, improve your cash flow because you're struggling with cash. And we all know if we're struggling with cash, nothing else matters. Or is your goal to exit the business? And a lot of times it's one of those first three. And ultimately, it's, it's maybe an exit the business. 
And so with that goal in mind, we then create what we call the FIN score. And it's just basically a report card for your business, right? It's simplifying the complexity of the financial statements. All the business owners that I've talked to usually, especially when you're newer, you're looking at the financial statements. There's a ton of numbers going on. You feel like you can go down a rabbit hole in any direction. None of it's really you know, cohesive in a way that tells a story. So we created the FIN score and the FIN score simplifies all of that. And it tells you, hey, a 76 is better than a 72. Mm-hmm. Simple. So with those two things in hand, we then have a playbook and I put together a playbook. I'm the kind of nerd who reads all the, the financial books, all the Greg Crabtree stuff, all the Keith Cunningham stuff, read all that, digest it, love it. And so I built a playbook of 450 best practices that any business could use to improve their financial uh, model. And once we know your goal and we know where you stand with the FIN score, then the playbook kind of dictates itself. And with that in hand, we actually have actionable information. So instead of somebody waking up and going, you know, I'd love to have, I'd, I'd love to make progress on, you know, being more profitable. Well, what does that really mean today? But we've distilled it down to a specific set of plays that will help you uh, grow your profitability. And so that's what we do for companies is they keep working on their sales. They keep delivering their, their offering. We come in alongside them and work on the financial aspect of the business. I love that. You know, so when you're starting a business or you're running a business, I mean, obviously, I, I know this is true for me and for my business. There are certain things that I'm really good at. And there's certain things that I, you know, pardon my French, but I really suck at it. Yep. And, and, and financial side of it is really, and it's not necessarily uh, that I'm really bad at it. It's just I don't pay as much attention to it because I'm so focused on the other part of the business, the part that actually brings the revenue in. Uh, and I could bring the revenue in, but sometimes I don't even know what, what that looks like, if it's profitable exactly. or whatever. Do you see that happening within with a lot of the clients that you're working with? Constantly. And that's, and that's really why I formed this. I mean, the, a big eye opener to me was when, you know, the whole uh, U.S. was going through this, the, the COVID situation and PPP. And it was like business owners are suddenly feeling like, you know, this might be a lifeline that I need to keep my business, keep my employees, but I don't understand it. It's kind of financial in nature. I got to coordinate this with a bank. There's a lot of complexity and uncertainty. And I think it exposed not only the the banks and and, uh, financial relationships we all had at the time, but it also just exposed that to your point, it's not so much that people don't understand the importance of it or even necessarily that they couldn't develop the skills. It's that they don't have the time and resources to dedicate to it. And so every day you're doing that, you're not selling, you're not perfecting your process, you're not developing your team because you're doing these financial things. And so that was really the exciting thing to me was this realization that it just happened to be a passion of mine. It, it made a lot of logical sense that we could do it from the outside and use that forum to help build the team. You know, so part of what we do is meet with the, the businesses, not only the owner, but if, if they want the management team to really help develop the team around these topics. So it doesn't have to go through the business owner to tell someone else the significance that just comes across like, you know, you're just telling your team to help make me more money. Right. Mm-hmm. But if we come from the outside and say, hey, you know, a professionally run business looks like this and here's here's your role as the head of sales, you need to step up or here's your role on the ops team you need to step up and here's what that would look like. And that that's received very differently than the business owner coming across. Like they're just telling everybody to help, help them make more money. Right. My next question was going to be, how does this differ? How do you differentiate yourself from a traditional accounting service? I think you just answered that question for the most part. Um, 
So in, in, the, in your business, is there specific channels, specific industries that you're, you concentrate on more than others? Yeah, we work a lot. I mean, just due to the nature of them, we work a lot with uh, digital marketing agencies. You know, they've, they're typically run by a creative type. They're usually, they're able to sell their passion. They're, they really have an eye for their craft. And so they're able to do some amazing work. But again, the financial part becomes kind of an afterthought. And what we see a lot, and so we're not exclusively able to help those types of companies. We can help anything. Look, I've got manufacturing companies were my very first companies. So I, I understand the whole kind of gamut of different styles of companies, but we end up working a lot with usually with a visionary type person in that, in that business running it. And they need someone, maybe the integrator that they're working with, the person who's operating the day to day or helping manage that is an ops person. They're focused on the team. They're, they're focused on el other elements of the business, but they may not have the financial background uh, to lead that part of the business, or they just don't have the time to do it. Right, right. And, and you know, in, in dealing with creatives, I mean, I actually took a course on um, a seminar on how to deal with creatives. It's, yeah. it's a whole different language, and yep. and it, it, it's more of an emotional thing than it is a real, you know, uh, than the technical part of it. Getting into the you know all, all the technical issues and uh, the you know so finances for them in some sense is like it's it's definitely a foreign language to them. And when you're yeah. communicating with them, also it's like you have to kind of communicate in a way that doesn't make them feel like they've screwed up or you know you, you talk nope. you, you got to learn how to communicate with people. So what I'm leading to with that whole thing is that one of the things that I read about you in your in your LinkedIn profile is that you try to simplify things so that people can understand. The financial process, the you know the whole process, the whole all the words, all the uh, you know, and communicate so you can communicate with them even better. So tell us a little bit about that process and how that works. Yeah, and to that uh, point, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, like training with the team with the business owners. So again, we're giving them a fin score, so we're giving them a simplified way to look at their financials. That's a great starting point, and it's a great way to identify what areas they need to grow. But one of the things I tell every business owner uh, that I talk with about this is that, you know, you really need to understand what the percentage breakdown of how you spend your money is. And so I call that the simple profit formula. I always say, hey, you should understand how you make money on the back of a napkin. What I mean by that is, you know, you know how much your revenue is, what percentage of that is going to, you know, your outside vendors, cost of goods or cost of sales. And But then take it a step further. Everybody knows to think about that and think about their margin. What about looking at your sales and marketing as a percentage? What about looking at your labor as a percentage? What about looking at your other general overhead as a percentage? And really kind of understanding. And so like we, I've got a client I was talking to earlier this week. He knows that his labor percentage needs to stay around 30%. Well, that gives him a tremendous amount of power to say, hey, if we're at this size next year, here's what we can afford labor-wise. But if we're at this size... We can only afford this much. And that's a really, really powerful planning tool. And it's as simple as, as what I just described. Looking at how you've done that historically, how much have we spent? And what I love to do when I'm thinking that way is start with the bottom line percentage and work my way up from there. In other words, I, I need at least 15% profit or I need 20% profit. And the profitability is dependent on the, the model. But I would say that one of the things that unfortunately has happened to small businesses is seeing all this kind of uh, VC, Silicon Valley type of thought process come in. It's like, well, I'm, I can't make money because I'm growing. That's nonsense. Mm -hmm. You can't afford not to make money, right? Right. And so if I start with this idea of like, well, I have to spend what I have to spend and I either make money or I don't, 
you're doing it wrong. Flip it upside mm-hmm. down. Start with how much money you need to make. And I would say 10% is kind of breaking even. 15 to 20% is where we should be. And, and then ask yourself, like, okay, well, what can I afford based on that? Right. And, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the book Profit First, but that's kind of a profit first type of concept where he says, hey, you know, basically I, I can only afford, it's like my, my personal budget. You know, I can't, I can't make five grand a month and have a $4,500 mortgage. Right. And that doesn't work. Right. So pretty by definition, right, you kind of get boxed in a little bit. And business owners, unfortunately, as they start getting a little bit of money in the bank, they start to grow a little bit, kind of start to tell themselves some different version of that story. Like they can afford to go for a period of time breaking even. And, you know, I just don't I don't advocate that. I don't believe that's really a good sound practice for anyone. No, absolutely. It's not where we got in the business in the first place. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So basically what you're, you're doing, uh, with profit first is you're kind of re, uh, re-engineering or reverse engineering the, the whole process. So you, you're, you're talking about the end game and then working your way back to the beginning and how you get to that end game. Correct. I, I, I like that. That's interesting. Yeah, and putting those big chunks in percentages, right? So that because based on percentages, you can then set a budget based on where you're going with revenue. And if right. revenue doesn't deliver, by having a percentage, instead of, you know, what happens instead is you, you say, you know, well, this is the team that I need because we're going to do 2 million this year. Well, then you're trending at one five. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Right. But if you have a percentage and you say, I can spend 30% of my budget on labor. Well, when that 30% is uh, of 2 million, you know what that number is. If it mm-hmm. starts to trend down toward 1.5, you can do the math and say, man, I, I, something's got to change because I can't survive doing 40% or 45% of my revenue going toward labor. It doesn't fit my business model. And it forces right. your hand a little bit differently to make changes and disconnects it. If you ask a business owner, you know, what would happen if you shrink your team? They start thinking in terms of people. And I'm not saying I would, by no means do I advocate taking lightly letting go of people. But it, it, it starts to change your discipline and your thought process as you look at it from this other angle. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of people, you know, are so concerned with what is happening right now that they fail to plan ahead. Yeah. And, and, and everything that you said, I mean, uh, in my mind, what I'm hearing is like the, this whole planning thing and understanding what your numbers are. And in order for you to be able to plan, you have to understand what those numbers are. And then for you to grow, you have to understand, you know, what your numbers are as well. And the percentages, like you said, I think that's very interesting. Um, so tell us, can you, so you've been working with a lot of clients over the, over mm-hmm. your time. Um, give us, can you give us some, maybe some examples of some people that you work with or companies you've worked with and how, what your, your process has done to help their businesses? You don't have to give us names, just, you know, give us sure. some ideas of uh, real life type stuff that you're working with. Yeah. So, you know, one example, like I said, uh, um, let's say a digital marketing company specializes in video production. Um, and, and in that particular case, you know, it's a project based business. So one of the big things is making sure that you have a common language from your entire sales process all the way through to the financials. So in that particular business, you know, they're doing some work with, uh, bigger companies in certain cases, and sometimes they're doing a one-off video and sometimes they're doing 10 videos. The problem was the way they had their financial structured and their, their overall process structured was everything's being communicated in terms of job instead of number of videos. And so that sounds like a simple thing. And when we, when we set up our business, this is the common kind of uh, mistake we can make of just 
always kind of, you know, bolting on the next process or adding people. And, and, you know, we, we let our, our terminology and the way we operate kind of just organically occur instead of thinking it through. The penalty comes for them in the sense that they're not able to manage their team productivity based on number of videos. If they're doing it based on jobs and everybody in the team is doing this kind of, you know, well, okay, but that one doesn't count because it's 10 videos. That's different than this one you end up without a common language. And so when we're talking about what's on our pipeline and they're talking about how many leads, leads aren't the important thing. It's how many potential videos are, are we mm-hmm. talking about, right? And then we look at the back end of the financials and we say, okay, you did, you know, let's just say, for example, $100,000 in revenue. Okay, but how many videos did you do? We need to look at it almost like a conveyor belt where from the very front of the, the business uh, and the leads and the prospects, all the way through to the financials and even cash in the bank is looked at in one common language. And so the best way to do that is based on either a work unit, if you're kind of a a project-based company, or if you're just a pure services business, it may be based on the number of people on your team uh, or hours worked, right? It's some sort of a work unit. And by doing that, it allows company to, now I can kind of right size all the way through the chain. And I can start to say, well, if I want to have, you know, 10 videos done every month, what kind of team do I need to be able to work it through the different production? And now everybody can start to, in the operations side of the business, start to go like, well, hey, there's no way. We, we've only got two people on this team. There's no way we can get 10 videos done every, every month. And so now we're having a really productive conversation about the sales side, the ops side, and ultimately what it would mean from a finance standpoint. So that's one huge thing that we work on with companies, a very kind of data-focused way of doing it. Unfortunately, you know, most businesses with a visionary uh, creative type, they're never going to mm, no. do the, the, the hard work in the weeds. And that's why we're not a DIY service. In other words, we're not just going to give you a list of things to do and say, good luck. Here's what yeah. we would do if we were you. You know, we're not in that game. Right, we're in right. the weeds. We're doing it for you. Um, and so that's, that's a big one. And then I would say, um, you know, another example of that is if you've got more of a recurring revenue model, is really looking at, um, at churn right? One of the things that is really important if you've got a recurring revenue model is understanding like, hey, I know what it takes maybe to generate business, but what's what's happening with my leaky bucket? You know, what's falling out of the back end? And people are going to ask, if you ask a salesperson or account manager, they're going to tell you a story. But let's look at the data and let's understand like, is it certain types of clients? Is it, is it what's the correlations uh, that we can determine that may be a warning sign for this type of business. Maybe it's by industry, maybe it's by size, maybe it's the certain type of offer that you're helping them with. Let's look at what they all have in common and see if we can understand. Maybe we're no longer serving a certain industry or there's weakness in that industry that's affecting us in ways we're not understanding. And the, the, the nice people at that company don't want to tell our account manager, you know, hey, we're struggling, we're, we're out. So it's things like that that we do that is is kind of, again, that's why I, it's financial in nature, but it's not strictly finance, if that makes sense. That's what it sounds like. So in other words, uh, from what I understand from what you're saying is that you can, a lot of people in business still make maybe knee-jerk decisions or maybe because they have this great idea or they think it's a great idea and they get so invested in it that they jump into it without looking at the finances first. And what you're talking about is really putting the finances first, working backward to determine whether or not uh, it's a viable opportunity and what it's going to take to make that opportunity work. And maybe sometimes it's one of those things where it isn't going to work. You need to walk away. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's one of the things I've, you know, for my very first business that was a turnaround, the very first thing I did day one as CEO was eliminate what was at the time 70% of our revenue. Because I had come to the mathematical conclusion that there was just no way we could make money in that part of the business. And, and no matter what it meant, you know, it was slowly killing the business. So I was no longer as scared to kill the business if that's what it came to. But I knew confidently at some size, this 30 re- remaining 30% of the business will thrive. And so right. that's exactly what I did. I ended up having to eliminate that. And so it's an ugly uh, truth to face. But the reality is you have to let the numbers have their say, right? And it doesn't right. mean the numbers are everything. By no means am I somebody who says, you know, just go in a hole and I'll feed you some numbers. And that's, that's the only thing you get to use to make a decision. But business owners typically understand the market. They understand what's working, what's not. And they understand when things aren't quite right. We help put the data to that through the numbers and say, hey, this is, this is the reality of what's happening. I love it. It's very interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, that 70% could have costed, cost you an entire business, really. And I've seen Absolutely. people actually do that where they put all their energy, all their effort into that because it's a thing that they really – I mean, it's a lot of your business I mean, on the yep. top end. But on the yep. bottom line, it's, it's killing you. And that takes away from the time and the energy that you could put toward that other 30% that turns out to be – the most profitable part of your business. So Absolutely. I, I love and that. And to that point, I'll just say, that's why that business is still here today. I mean, I, I still own that company, you know, 22 years later because wow. I made that difficult choice. That company would have died. I mean, to your exact point, when you're chasing revenue in that way, you get into that mindset of like, well, I've just got to chase revenue to solve this problem. You're really, I mean, you're, you're, you're rolling the dice on the, on the entire company at that point. And at some point, you know, you're going <laughs> to, you're going to crap out. And because the reality is there's risk associated with not making money. That's why I say you can't, you know, you cannot afford uh, breaking even even is not an option in my mind because there's so much risk involved with just the inherent ongoing nature of a business that if you don't have the resources, you're not making money. You look up one day and you made your last bad choice and it's over. It's over. It's done. Yep. Yeah. So, and it's a, it's a difficult choice to make. It's a different, difficult decision. And that's why folks like, need to work with with Colin Sandberg because you can help them through that kind of process and and under and, and and give them a little bit better understanding of what uh, is at stake if they don't make this move uh, and in your case the 70 percent uh, move um, hey listen we're getting to the end of our our, our time together uh, any final thoughts that you'd like to leave our audience with well I, I think you know a lot of what we talked about today it's really um, I, one thing I will say, Work with talented people, surround yourself with people who are capable, but you as a business owner owe it to yourself to be knowledgeable about your numbers. You know, that's something I'm very passionate about. I've got a lot of entrepreneur friends who, before I was doing this business, I was giving them a hard time. Like, Hey man, you got to know your numbers. Um, the reality is, you know, that's part of this job and this career that you've undertaken and you're not being a real pro if you just kind of let that be some shortcut that you keep taking over and over again. Um, and so I, that's just, you know, to me, that's kind of thrown down the gauntlet. It's a bit of a challenge to people out there. It doesn't mean you have to become a finance expert. It does not mean you have to go to Wharton and get your MBA. It just means, you know, you've got to step your game up from wherever you are today, get better and continue working on that and see that as part of that inevitable uh, journey as an entrepreneur. Fantastic. Colin, I can tell that you're very knowledgeable in what you do. But not only that, I can tell just for this conversation, you're very passionate about what you do as well. Uh, so if our audience would like to get in contact with you to learn more about Colin, learn more about your service, Fin Elevate, uh, how would they go about doing that? 
Yeah. So you can go to our website, which is, uh, I'm sure you'll put in the, in the show notes. It's just, uh, www.finelevate.com. You can look me up on LinkedIn, Colin Sandberg, uh, and, you know, reach out. So one of the things I do is just to, to throw it out there is we offer a 45 minute call. We call it the deep dive 45. I promise you it is zero pitch. I'm not going to try and sell you anything. I'm not going to try and convince you to work with me. It is truly just to help people, uh, take a quick look at your business, uh, throw some different ideas and suggest some things that you could be looking at differently. And I, I try to put out good karma in the world. So I know that, you know, I've done this before and had people recommend a friend and that ends up, the friend ends up becoming a client. So it's not really a lead thing for me. It's, it's much more of just doing the right thing and trying to help people and, and hopefully it'll, it'll help some business owners. So look me up and, and, uh, let's book it and let's do it. Let's do it. Sounds great, Colin. Thank you so much for being on our show today. You're a wonderful guest. Hey, folks, that's all we have for today. So thrilled you could be with us. Business Breakthroughs is sponsored by Titan Media Works. Check us out at titanmediaworks.com. That's works spelled W-O-R-X. And also check out our other great hosts on the Small Business Delivered Network at smallbusinessdelivered.com. Until next time, make sure you know your numbers. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Take care.